0: Ephesians two four Turn with me there, Ephesians two four. Ephesians two verse four But God But God is so rich in mercy and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God pointed to us, so God can point to us, listen to this, in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Two of the most powerful forces in your life uh, are, are written here. in the Apostle Paul, I love how he teaches, because he goes through, in Ephesians, he talks about all that God has done, and then our response, right? And so in Ephesians 2, 4, he talks about how we're dead and now we're made alive in Christ, amen? He comes to the end of all this and he goes through and we look at, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Two of the most powerful forces in our lives you're saving me. Thank you so much. Woo. Two of the most powerful forces, that's better, in our lives is God's grace <clears throat> and our faith. Amen? So I shared, uh, a few weeks ago I shared about how grace, is like a river, and if you imagine a river if you think of a river when a river flows there are two banks right two banks to a river so the holy spirit he is a river that flows throughout life amen he's described in john 7 as a river there are two banks that that, that we need a river needs two banks otherwise it's going to spill over faith is one bank and the grace of god is another bank and it's so important i believe aw tozer He said, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. What you think about God is the most important thing about you, right? Because what you think about God, who you think he is, your whole life will flow from that. What you think about God will determine whether great faith is produced in your life or not. What, you, what, pe, what some people think about God cripples them in life. What other people think about God empowers them in life and causes them to live in a great life of faith. And so we see faith and grace, they're these two forces that are at work in our lives, God's part and then our part. And a lot of confusion comes in, in people's walk with the Lord Because we can often get this wrong. And so God wants the river of His Spirit to flow through His life. And if you think I've got those riverbanks, when I get those riverbanks right, the river flows in the direction that I want it to flow. Yeah? But many people, the life of God isn't flowing in your life because those riverbanks aren't set in place. And so we want the life of God to go here. I've got the indwelt Spirit of God within me Amen, but it's like it's like it's not going anywhere, and so I need those riverbanks to be set in my life. The, the 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 major difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, the the finished work of the cross, is that we have the indwelt Spirit of God within us. Amen, and so I I, I need to understand in my life that Lord, there's there's grace. There is Your part to play. Who You are, what You've done. And then there's faith there's my part there's what i do and and what happens in life is that we can be all faith and and you know i've been there it's it's all about faith right and you you just got to have more faith in god you just got to have faith you just got to believe come on faith 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 And, and what happens is you become unbalanced to the point where you become like elijah the prophet And you end up running off into the wilderness because you're like, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, there's no mountains moving. What's going on, Lord? (laughs) Because we need grace in our life. Amen. And so there's people who are full of faith, but we need to understand grace. Amen. And then there's people, well, it's all the grace of God. It's just the will of God. If God wants it to be done, it will be done. Well, that was a bit too close to home, was it? <laughs> if God wants this to happen, He will do it. I don't have to do anything. Wow, well, that's just the will of the Lord there. And so, there's grace, but then there's no faith. And what happens is, if you're you're a person who it's all about the grace of God, but nothing about you, you will live a passive life. You will. You'll live a passive life and then you'll put your passive life down to the fact that God just doesn't do that stuff today anymore then. But if you're all about faith and no grace, then you'll get burnt out and discouraged. And so we need the grace of God and we need faith. Amen. Who knows that when you're born again, it says we get, we're given the measure of faith. So God gives us faith to work with. I don't have to work it up. I have the potential of the faith of Jesus Christ, the man and the Son of God within me. I need to learn to develop it. Amen? And so there's these two things, faith and grace, which I want to share about today. Who knows, in, in, uh, in Hebrews 12, there's two mountains, two mountains that, uh, that the Apostle Paul talks about, if you believe he's the one who wrote that book, in Hebrews 12, he talks about Mount uh, Sinai and he says, We haven't come to this, uh, to this burning mountain of smoke and fire where everyone was fearful, where people were worried, where Moses went up and freaked out, and, and, and it, was, it was people couldn't touch the mountain, otherwise, you'd die. We haven't come to that mountain, he says. We've come to Mount Zion, to the better ministry of Jesus. to to people whose names are written in the heavens. Come on. We've come to a mountain of grace. He said that because people weren't understanding the incredible grace of God in their lives. And many people today, uh, we have the Word of God, amen, but the problem is many people don't know how to divide the Word of God and so we end up we end up mixing grace with law and we get a picture of God that's a mixture. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. In, uh, in the ministry of Moses, so, so the reason the writer in Hebrews says this is because he says spiritually people are living at two mountains. You're either still living at Mount Sinai and you have that picture of God, or you're living at Mount Zion. Amen? Under the better ministry of Jesus, under the grace of Jesus, under the goodness of God. Amen? And, and who knows that the first miracle of Moses was in Exodus chapter 7, and he, he struck the Nile, and blood came into the water in, in all the land in Egypt, and no one could drink the water. Right? It was a miracle. That produced death. No one could drink water. A miracle that produced death. Who knows that the first miracle of Jesus, what did he do with the water? He turned water into wine. What was he saying? He was saying, I'm giving you a full picture of who God is. You don't have to live at Mount Sinai anymore, but you can live under the grace of God where everyone gets to play where the blessing and the favour and the grace of God shall flow in your life. Come on. He turns water into wine and there's a celebration. It's a picture of the new covenant, how we live under the reality of God's grace. Amen. So Jesus was coming. It was the first miracle that revealed his glory in John chapter 2. Don't you find it interesting that Jesus didn't turn the water into blood? But many people live like that today. They think that's what God, that's how they live, right? Jesus turned it into wine. It's a celebration because the new covenant is the more of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God. God is better than you think. He is. He's so much better than you think. He's so much better than you can imagine. And I'm going to break some lies, some, some hard hearts today that think that God isn't this good. He's good. Come on. In Romans chapter 5, verse 20, it talks about the law and then it says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Did you get that? Where sin increases, grace increases all the more. The solution to your life is grace. It's true. The solution to your life is grace. If you have an issue in your life, you need grace. You need to know the grace of God. You do. You need to understand the new covenant reality of grace, of the goodness of God. If you have, I'll say it again. Whatever you need in your life right now, whatever you need, you don't need to do more. You don't need to be better you need to get the truth of God's grace into your heart today. Everything flows from the grace of God. If you're trying to get more faith, you're like, God, I just need more faith for this situation. Go back to God's grace. Amen. So Romans 5 20, verse 20 talks about grace increases all the more. And that Greek word for increase is the word uh, is the word periso. right? It's where we get our word hyper from. And so many people don't like, you know, the whole church has come up, whole part of the church has come up with a, a doctrine about hyper-grace. But the reality is is God says in Ephes- in Romans 5.20, where sin increase, grace huperperisoed all the more. In other words, God has more grace than you could ever think. And the reality is, is that, The grace of God is greater than we could ever imagine. Grace has provided for all your needs today. Amen? God loves you, despite of you. We are in a grand covenant. We're in a covenant with the Lord, with Jesus, where it's all about Him and nothing about what you do. And when you enter in, that's why we are in Christ, when you enter in, the greater one apart from you, blesses you. Where sin increases, grace increases all the more. So grace doesn't mean you can do whatever you want, but grace gives you the ability and empowers you to live a holy life, to live a life full of God, full of the kingdom of God. Amen? In, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus comes to Peter and they're, they're in a boat, they're fishing, uh, he's fishing and, and he goes out in the boat and Jesus is preaching to the crowds on the shore, he must have had a, an awesome voice back then to be able to project that well, and he's preaching and, and he says to Peter, let down your nets, you've been catching nothing at all, let down your nets, there's a miracle catch of fish. They come back to the shore and and Peter says, get away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man, right? In other words, God is so holy, so mighty, so incredible that that is always the response of a heart that that is tender to God. It's like, God, you're so good. That's who you are. And and, and what what did Jesus say? He says, come follow me. Come follow me. The church has it the wrong way around. We think that that faith is, I have to do this and do this and God will, then God's got me, right? I have to, if I can just live holy, if I can just do a little bit more because I'm not seeing much of God in my life, if I can just do that, then I'll see more of God in my life. But the reality is, is that Jesus blesses you before you can even do anything. You've already got it. There's a line. You qualify. You've already got it. And who knows that it was the goodness of Jesus and and the miracle working of God that led Peter to repentance. Peter didn't repent and then get blessed. It was the blessing and the love. When he saw the great and mighty, incredible God, the goodness of who Jesus is, his blessing, his favour, his overflow, when he saw that, Lord, I repent. Right? And people are struggling to renew their minds because you're, you're, you're seeing God the wrong way. Faith... Faith will always receive what God's already given you by grace. Faith always receives what God has already given by grace. Amen? So the new covenant reality is we have the finished work of the cross. We have all of this provision in our lives. Amen? He's already provided for you you know every need you have in life, God's already provided for it. He's not trying to come up with more provision for your life. He's not trying to come up with, with something new for you. Oh, I didn't know that problem was coming along and now I need, now I need Jesus to die again and provide for that. <laughs> All your provision has been provided for at the cross. He defeated every power and principality. The grace of God out of the sight of Jesus, the hands of Jesus, Jesus out of his beard was the, the blood of the Lord flowed for your provision in life. His body was broken for you. Amen? That's why we pray for the sick so the stripes of Jesus won't be wasted. Because he's already done it. In the, old, see, in the Old Testament and in the Old Covenant, they had to. no one ever prayed for the sick or, or prayed for that. Out of hearing, out of not hearing from God, God would—they'd always wait. They had to wait for God. They had to wait for permission. What is the difference? The difference is—is is that through the finished work of the cross, provision has already been provided for. I don't have to wait. Jesus commissions me to go and do it. Come on! I remember, like, like this will. That we, have, we have so put a mixture in of the grace of God. We've so put a mixture in to the point where we think that, that it's our good works that get God to move upon the earth. <laughs> and so we fast and we pray and we, and we do all this stuff trying to get God to do something. And God's like, hang on, I've already done it for you. And and actually I'm I'm waiting on you. I'm I'm waiting on you. I've given you my grace has, has provided for everything that you need in life, and I'm waiting on you to move. And then you can flow with me. It's like we're trying to pull God's aunt, like we're trying to pull God down from heaven, not realising that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places and that we're actually partnered with him, releasing heaven on earth. This will shift your whole prayer life. I tell you what, there's some people today and you're praying, and it's like, God, I need this breakthrough, or, or like, I just, I'm stuck, I'm stuck in a sin, or I'm stuck in, in this, I'm not seeing much of your power in my life. Does the gospel really work? I've been praying for this for ages for my kids, and nothing's happening. And this shifts your whole prayer life because all of a sudden you realize. That God's already provided for your breakthrough by, and by faith I receive that. By Faith receives all that grace has provided. And so I'm not trying to work things up, but I'm actually praying from a position where I'm seated with Him. And all of a sudden I see that I have authority to shift the atmosphere of my life. And if you're a discouraged and weary Christian, you need to realize that grace has completely shifted the inside of you, that at the core of your very being, you are a supernatural person. Get over it. You're a spiritual person. You've got to get over it. Come on, our intellectual Western Christianity has to get over the fact that we are spiritual people seated with Christ in heavenly places, and we're actually not trying to pray to get a solution to come down, but we're actually seated with Him, with His perspective, releasing His solutions upon the earth. Amen. This will get some. This is going to get someone today. This will. Because there are, there, are, there are too many tired believers. There are too many discouraged people. And, and, we, and we come to church to get a shot in the arm so that we can go out in the week. And then by the end of the week, we're drained again. And the Lord's like, no, you live in union with me. There, is a, there should be a constant flow of my grace pouring through your life. Come on. So in Galatians 3.3, 3, Paul says, how... How foolish can you be? You've started your new life in the Spirit. Why would you now go to human effort? We think the pattern changes. We get saved by grace through faith. And we would all say that salvation is all, all by God. The Holy Spirit does all the work. God's done all the work, right, in your salvation. That pattern doesn't change. <laughs> but we get to the point in our walk with the Lord where we're not seeing much of the Lord in our lives, and maybe you're struggling. Uh, maybe you're a man in the room and you're struggling with pornography, and, and you're just trying to get this breakthrough, and you've been going and going and going for years, and God is just not working. And so, you know, this grace thing, uh, you know, I know I'm righteous and I'm holy, and, and your grace is provided, but it's just not working for me, and now I've just got to be better. I've just got to do something more holy. I've got to pray more. I've got to read my Bible more. I've got to, got to go to this self-help group. Or, or I've, and, and God says, the pattern of your salvation is the pattern of your life. And he's, that's why Paul was ticked off with the Galatians. Because you started your new life in the Spirit. It stays like that. There is a constant flow of the Spirit of God in your life, where I go back to the revelation that I've been saved by grace through faith. Amen. And now all my faith does is receive is receive all that God has provided for by grace, and I' let it flow. The Christian life is very simple. It's not hard. So out of our union with God, there is a constant revelation and understanding. I, I begin to see more and more of the grace of Jesus, of how good He is. And I would say to people that if there is an issue in your life and you want to see breakthrough and you're not seeing it, you don't need to do more. You have to receive more. Because we want to go back to human effort. God, it's not working. So I must have to do more. And God says, no, 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 you have to receive more. You, you have an incomplete revelation of who I am, my goodness and my grace. That'll challenge some people in the room. There's two, in Luke eighteen nineteen. there's these two, a great picture for us of, of our walk with the Lord and 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 of how grace and faith works in our life and there's a rich young ruler in luke chapter 18 and he comes to jesus and he says what must i do you ever come to god with that god what must i do what must i do right what must i do to inherit eternal life and and jesus points him to the law which is really interesting the reason he points him to the law is because he wants to show him how self-righteous he is and the reality that you need to stop relying on yourself. and re- There's a new covenant of grace coming. There's a new age coming and you need to see me as the son of God. And so he says, well, you know, don't, uh, don't commit murder. Don't, he lists, names the five last things of the law. Love your neighbours, you love yourself. And we all say, thank you, God, for giving us more to do. Ah. Have you ever had that? You come up for a prophetic word and it's like, oh, I just, oh, Lord, I'm just, I'm doing all this. And then someone gives you a prophetic word and it's like, oh, now there's more to do. Now no, i just got more to do. Great. Ah. <coughs> and, and then. The scripture says that the man, the rich young ruler went away sad. If you ever leave, if you ever leave church or or if you ever leave your prayer time sad, just, just, just go back. (laughs) Go back. Because prayer is meant to be transactional. Amen. Here, this place is meant to be transactional. Where you're encouraged, where you're edified, where you're comforted and built up in your spirit. and, And, um... And so he he walks away unchanged. A lot of people today are not changing, right? And we're praying for God to change things in our circumstances. But God's saying, I actually want to change you so you can meet the need in your circumstance. God wants to take you to the point where you realize that it, I grace is provided for all of my needs, and, and, and if, if I'm living out of a deep union with Him, it's actually me and God shifting my circumstances rather than me just praying to God, and then God, if it's your will, you do it. It's challenging. And so this rich young ruler, you know, it's interesting that some people believe that, uh, some scholars believe that he, he was Barnabas, which is really interesting. But um, in Luke 19, there's, a, there's another rich young person. And his name is Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He's a very rich man. And Jesus comes along the road, right? Right. You notice Jesus didn't just say, well, you have to repent, you have to do this, you have to do that, and then I'll I'll love you and then I'll bless you. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, you're having dinner at my place tonight, mate. You're having fellowship with me. Because who knows that when you come to the Lord and when you have fellowship with him, you encounter the man of grace. You encounter the grace of God and it's only grace that can transform your life. It's only the revelation that I reign in life through grace and through the one man, Christ Jesus, that you'll see fruit in your life. Come on. And so, so Zacchaeus has dinner with Jesus. And it's amazing what dinner with Jesus did. He says, Lord, right here, right now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And he says, whatever I've stolen from people, I will, I will repay them four times over. Right? grace will always transform your heart and there's a polarized difference in my life right if if what i think about god is the most important thing about me and if i'm coming to god and i'm seeing no change at all in my own heart if i'm not able to forgive someone if i'm not able to to walk in the freedom that jesus has provided for me in the power the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony if i'm If I'm not able to walk in that, then maybe it's a clue that I need more of God's grace. I need the revelation of grace in my life. Grace has provided for every need that I have. It's a done deal. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Come on, baby. So Colossians 2.13 says, He's, he, he forgave us all our trespasses, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Much of the church, and I'll just, I'll just be real, much of the church would still pray, and, and this is broader Christianity, when they've sinned, God, please forgive me. I'm just giving you an example here. I'm making this really practical. God, I'm stuck in this addiction. God, I'm stuck in this issue. I didn't act this right way. I didn't do this. God, please, will you forgive me? Make me feel clean and and then I can go about my day a bit better. I'll come to you, get right, and then I'll go. Right? That is the wrong prayer to pray. Just so you know. And this, this always gets people going when I say that you don't need, if you're a born-again believer, you don't need to ask God to forgive you. He has already forgiven you at the cross. That is why Jesus died, to pay for your debt and forgive you of every sin. Your sins, past, present, future have all been forgiven. Who knows that God's all-knowing? So he's not surprised. <laughs> right? He has forgiven you, it says in Colossians 2.13. And so the prayer should be, if the prayer should be for people, God, I'm sorry for getting this wrong in my life. Teach me my identity. Lord, I come to you. I repent. Teach me who I am. Teach me who you've created me to be. Teach me how to live out of the revelation of your grace. God, I've been praying for all these people and not seeing breakthrough. God, teach me who I am. ha. <laughs> Lord, show me re- reveal to me the revelation of grace and righteousness in my life today solomon uh, in, in Solomon was a man who encountered the grace of God and he he um we all know him because he, he prayed and 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 he asked God for wisdom and and, and so he encountered the grace of God in a profound way and he's ruling over Israel at the time and, and uh, it says in 1 Kings chapter 5 that God had given him rest on all sides. In other words, if you're a king and you have rest on all sides, that's a pretty good day. It, me- it means that in the land, that you're, you're the highest power in the land and no one wants to go against you, Right? God had given him rest on all sides, but Solomon comes to the point where he's like, well, I think I'm going to marry all these foreign wives. And so he had a lot of wives. And who knows the reason a king would marry someone, a, a, a foreign wife, so he married all the, all the royalty in the foreign lands, they would do that as a peace treaty. So you would, you would marry... The princess or you would marry royalty so that that land wouldn't attack you, right? Solomon, a man who already had rest on all sides, a man who already had the grace of God, is now going out and trying to get peace, right? In other words, Solomon didn't realise what he already had. And much of the church doesn't realise what she already has, And so we try and go do all these things by faith and all it is is man's effort not realising that God has provided all of this by grace. Why would I then go and marry all these foreign wives? God will always point you back to his provision of grace. The cross of Jesus Christ is the centre point of all history. Everything throughout the world revolves around it. And everything that the Lord did through his life, death and resurrection will forever be. Amen. It is the forever provision of grace in your life. And so faith, my faith, then needs to realize that I I am partnering with the grace of God. Faith is now receiving, entering into and receiving all that Jesus has provided for me. In, in Romans 5.1, we'll finish, we'll finish on this. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Did you get that? through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So all of my life flows from a place of standing in the grace of God. And if I'm struggling in faith, all I need to do is realise Romans 5.1 that I need to set my heart on the truth that I'm centred in God's grace. And it's always the beauty and grace of Jesus that will produce faith in my life. I don't have to work faith up. I don't have to try and have more faith. I have to come back to God's grace. I don't have to clean myself up. Who knows that the presence of God And the grace of God is really good at doing that. And so the Lord wants to raise people up into a place where we realize that he has given you everything you need to reign in life. Who knows that grace is a gift, unearned and undeserved. And so now his role as a good father is to teach you how to live out of everything he's already given you. So I'm not trying to get God to do more. I'm trying to live out of the more of who Jesus is. And in Colossians 2.10, it says that we have been brought into completeness in Christ. Do you know that, that Greek word uh, completeness, uh, it, it's, the word, uh, it's the word plural, means to be full, to be filled. Right? To be filled, to be full. So you are full of God. You are complete. Many people wouldn't look at themselves and say that I'm I'm complete. God, you have made me complete. I don't need to be any more holy or righteous in life. I am complete. You have been filled with God. And the reality now is that the Lord wants to teach you how to live out of the fullness of God in you. And, and many, many people. It's like, like many people. It's like, well, well I love God and, and God loves me. But then they're walking in shame during the week, and they don't love themselves. And so, then people get really like, people get really frustrated because it's a simple solution. We we and then we come up with like a ten-step intercessory prayer to help loose people. If you don't love yourself, it, it, all, all it tells me is that you need, you need to contend for the revelation that God loves you. You have an incomplete revelation of how complete he's made you and, and how complete he is. It's a simple solution, right? God loves you. And we live out of the reality of I've been made complete in the fullness of God, so when I walk throughout the week, I'm not trying to love people more, I'm letting his love Pour out of my life and touch the people around me. Come on, forgiveness flows out of me, grace pours out of me during the week. I don't, uh, the, the behavior of people around me doesn't determine my day, and I say that, and people all agree. And yet, we go throughout our week and we're and we're and we let everyone else's behavior, we, we let the media. We let what everything else is going on affect the reality of God in us. And what happens is then we're seeing in our lives that we're seeing none of God in our life, but that we're full of God. So, Lord, what's going on? Am I full of you or not? And then we make theology out of it. And God's saying, if you would just sit and dwell in the revelation of my goodness, of who I am, if you would sit and live in that, you will live a life of great faith. The greatest contending in your life will always be around the goodness of God and the grace of God. And so as I'm speaking today, I'm hearing like all throughout this sermon, I'm hearing in my heart, there's like, there's whispering going on in people's minds, is what, is what Dean is saying really true about God? Is that really true? Because the contending is always in your life around, is God good? Is he really that good? And is he really that gracious? And is the finished work of the cross really a reality? Why don't we stand? Lord. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here, God. I thank you, Jesus, for your indwelling presence in your people. I thank you, Lord, that you overflow, that your river of grace and love and life overflows through us. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching people how to live out of the reality of of being saved by grace through faith. Thank you for your kindness, Holy Spirit. I pray right now that you would come and and, and just minister to people's hearts in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus, I thank you that you are the resurrected King in all your glory, yet you dwell within your people. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray for that person right now. And there's a spirit of fear that's come against you. And your mind's gotten away from you during the week, and, and, and there's there's been a doctors' diagnosis, and uh, and that spirit of fear has come against your life. I declare grace upon grace upon grace over your life in Jesus' name. Uh, Holy Spirit, just come right now and cause the revelation of the finished work of the cross of Jesus to pierce their hearts in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus thank you lord thank you that we are forgiven whole restored in you thank you god that the reality of who you are is ready to pour out of our lives and i prophesy over people today that the damn wall is bursting open in jesus name that damn wall is bursting open in your life in jesus name Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that that the new covenant realities of who you are, the better ministry of Jesus, that we live at Mount Zion, I pray, God, that that truth, cause it to pierce people's hearts, cause it to pierce our hearts right now, Lord. I just before we close, I just sense in my heart that there's, there's at least there's, a, there's at least four people in the room, and and you've and you've actually you've you've given up on what you've been praying for. You've been praying you've been praying a prayer to God for a long time, and you've you've given up on it because you haven't seen any fruit. And, uh, and I sense it, I just, I can, I feel an urgency from God on this. That he wants to, he, the Lord wants to encourage you. He wants to teach you how to, how to partner with him. And it's his tender love, it's his, it's, it's the tender love of Jesus, that the bridegroom who, who pulls you in and, and renews and restores your passion in prayer. so we're about to close but if that, if that was you I would, I would love to pray with you at the end of the service you can feel free just to come up I'd love, I'd love to pray with you for that but God I thank you for today I thank you Holy Spirit for who you are and, and I pray Lord that there would be a restoration there would be a restoration in our lives and families of the incredible goodness of the Lord in Jesus name